Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 283, covering Night and Drone. Friends, it's season. What is it? I said it wrong last. Season, season five. We're in five, season five yeah, now. Five. So we're we're past we're past the halfway point. We're Johnny Five. Johnny Five is alive. Yes, I've heard that about him. Mm-hmm. Did they ever reboot that? It feels like they must have. Not yet. Give it time, though. I'm sure it's on the way. So what? Uh, what? What white comedian will uh, be an offensive, like fake Indian in that? Do you think? Oh no, 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 no! It's it's the it's 2015, okay? Like or it's no, 2016. it's 2016. You don't. We're not going to do that anymore. We'll just make the character white now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you you wouldn't cast like an actual like you know? No, no, no. There's no reason for that character. There's no reason for that character to not be white. That's fair. We're trying to make a profit here. Like, of course. Uh, but Star Trek uh-huh. has nothing to do with that. No, not at all. And here's a strange thing. We liked both of the episodes. Yeah, that was weird and surprising. Like, and Nice surprise, though. Yeah, I at this point, it's like, you know, Voyager punches me, and then it pats me on the head, and then it punches me again, and mm-hmm. I just, I never know what to expect anymore. <laughs> it's like, okay, but are they going to hit me again? And it's it, this is how a bully acts. Yeah, is it's the like, thing. God, I hope I get good Voyager today. And th- this time we did, but that just means next time it's more likely we probably won't. Yep. So, hooray. But, you know, not to not to not to completely rain on on this parade cuz my parade. This was a parade. Yes. My wonderful parade. It was. It, it was a decent parade. Mm-hmm. So, why don't why don't I tell you about uh, the episode what's called Night? Yeah, tell us about Night. I will. Good. Voyager is entering an area of space where nothing happens, which will mark a pleasant change from this area of space where the same crap keeps happening over and over again. That's right, welcome to the Void. So named because as far as anyone knows, the Noid has never been sighted there. And there are no stars, no planets, no, you know, people. Which is what we expect large swaths of actual space to be like in real life, but Star Trek, it's kind of completely unheard of. It's enough to drive a perfectly sensible Captain crazy, which is exactly what it does to Kate as she withdraws from regular interaction with the crew, choosing to isolate herself and not get involved. Or as Starfleet probably calls it, going Picard. So we continue our cruise through featureless, desolate space, and I wait for the inevitable revelation that everyone's food has come to life, or that rock Chakotay thought he had in his shoe is really a ghost, or maybe that the darkness isn't darkness at all, and maybe it's more important to pay attention to the notes that space doesn't play, man. <laughs> Look, Braga and Minoski wrote this one, so it's bound to be something stupid like that, right? And here are our requisite darkness monsters, right on cue. Except they're just aliens, like normal Star Trek aliens who just happen to evolve to live here. They don't feed on anyone's brainwave energy or represent some forgotten childhood memory or anything like that. They're just guys. And they're in a conflict with some other guys. All right, now we get to the stupid stuff. The conflict will be boring and tedious, right? Wait, no, it's actually fairly engaging as the guy who initially offered to assist Voyager is actually hurting these darkness monster aliens and... While Starfleet regulations insist they don't get involved in the conflict, the Voyager crew can clearly tell who's in the right here, and they really do want to get involved. And there's some kind of wormhole that can hasten their trip through the void, only to only to get to the thing, they're probably going to have to pick a side in this whole mess. 
But who among us has the gravitas, the pure leadership skills, and the cojones to get us through this delicate, complex situation? That's right, it's Catherine motherfucking Janeway. Emerging from her cleansing sulk with a cry of, What's up, bitches? Well, but not that, something better. Kate saves the day, clears her conscience, and defeats this week's bad guy, who is, no kidding, a corrupt garbage man. With the coolest catchphrase since the last action hero's Ice that one to Kone phrase. Target their cargo hold. Time to take out the garbage. That's right, I played my quote in the summary. I like the Braga Minoski joint. And I'm kind of looking forward to this season of Voyager. What the fuck is happening here? This is some kind of a bizarro podcast. <laughs> we launched into an extensive discussion of bizarro logic uh, in, in our little pre-show talk. But, and what uh, would happen if uh, bizarro should be uh, assimilated by the Borg? Right, which uh, was not as funny as maybe I'd hoped, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's all right. <laughs> Could be worse. Yeah, but we'll get to the Borg in the next one. There are some Borg in the yes. next one. But this one, like, like I say, because it was those two, and because space is never uninhabited, I just assumed there would be something stupid, and there yep. wasn't. No, I lo- this is my good thing. I love the idea of the utter desolation of this giant, empty chunk of space. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the only place in the, the entire Star Trek universe where there's nothing to look at, and they're just, they're stuck there for two years. Yep. Like, just... This ship full of, of explorers who are all just like, let's get out there and see what's out there to look yeah, at. Yeah, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck here. But hey, on the bright side, a lot of new stuff to look at. Yeah, so we got that's what we're all at. about. Like we can we could shard all of this crap for Starfleet. And, you yeah, know. That's that's been the only thing they've had to cling to being stranded far from home is at least we can do this thing that we're good at. Yeah, that's the thing. Like all like, you know, we may be trapped, you know, thousands of years away from home, but like. We, this is something to keep us busy, and I. Yeah, love we are the, explorers, and they dropped us in a totally like uncharted place. So at least we got that. And yeah, and now we suddenly don't have it's that. like no, there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing to look at. There's nothing to do except yeah. listen to Harry play the clarinet. I didn't even like. I mean, Harry had some moments that bugged me, but like, there's a there's a point where he's actually got bridge duty by himself. Yep, and he's composing a little clarinet thing, and I didn't hate that. Like, I to be clear, I still hate Harry. Oh, yeah, but, but this I like thing he did is not awful. We're, we're months and months into this just, like, d- desolate, horrible, like, it's really weighing on everyone. Yep. To the point where Tuvok walks on and he says, oh, composing something on the clarinet, I see. Like, he's not, Yeah. Tuvok's cool with it, which means things must be pretty far gone. If yeah, it's because, like... Let, letting Harry, like, slump across the captain's chair playing his instrument. I, t- speaking of Tuvok, I love that scene where he's, like, he has to go into, um... Uh, what is it? Uh, Astro navigation to meditate because there's stars to focus on. Right. And I love, like, I love the idea of trying to meditate with like nothing around you, and it's just completely yeah, disconcerting. That's, that's always part of his little ritual is like yeah. focusing on a couple of stars or whatever, and he doesn't have that. No, well, because there's just, like that it, that nothing that just inescapable well, the- nothing just pounding on the ship. The thing is, that's what real space would most likely be like, is large spaces of emptiness. It's called space. There's nothing there. Yeah, but I mean, we've spent 50 years, and I mean, we've talked about this since fucking the original series. Like, the Star Trek universe is just cram full of stuff. There's a new Mm -hmm. M-class planet to look at, and talk to the people on every week like i mean that's honestly you wouldn't have a show if it wasn't that way but building four shows now on this means that's that's the world you live in mm-hmm. this galaxy is just teeming with life yeah and yeah it's so it's weird to to suddenly find nothing the nothing yep i almost made a reference to that but yeah, I, I don't blame that in years and i don't remember so i know he has a wolf that he's friends with i think that's about right yeah yeah 
And his horse gets out perfectly fine. I do remember that. Yep. There's one thing I know about the never-ending story. It's got a horse that that works out fine and a big turtle. <laughs> oh, yeah, the big turtle. A big pissed-off turtle. And uh, and a luck dragon voiced by the guy who did Skeletor's voice. And Willy Wonka riding around on a giant snail. I actually yeah. remember quite a bit about the never-ending story. You want to do a never-ending <laughs> story podcast? Mm, would it end? No. Then no. But eventually we'd have to talk about the never-ending story 3 featuring Jack Black. Was Jack Black in that? I think so. Did he play the wolf? Maybe. Oh, right. It's called Jack Wolf. <laughs> Did we ever find out what uh, what the kid's mother's name was? Yeah, it was Beth Rock. Yeah. No, no. Does it help if you turn on the subtitles or does it just say unintelligible? I think it just says unintelligible. Right. Or like three question marks. Yeah. Maybe that's her name. <clears throat> Maybe that's good how old, you say And this is my mom. Good old three question marks. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh right, no. Star Trek. Oh yeah, Voyager. No, I like. I do like the idea that we've had. You know, like I say, four shows now crammed with places, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's like, well, yeah, but what if space was actually you know space? Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even let that go. Like I, in you know, uh, <laughs> points against them for that. They yeah. couldn't actually just do empty space because no stuff lives there too. Stuff <laughs> well, lives everywhere. That's the thing, you know, I mean, it's an endless void with absolutely nothing in it, and they still bang into somebody three months in. Yeah, two different races. Yep. A race of, like, darkness guys, and then a race of garbage men. The garbage men. Dumping on the, the those oh, guys. Oh, man, we'll get to garbage men in a minute, because I got yeah. a lot to talk about there. <laughs> that was actually my, like, the one of my only major, like, I had a, a few minor nitpicks, but sure. my, my actual bad thing. The guy covered in sores driving the filthy starship around dumping industrial waste into a hole in space was a bit, well, my people have an expression for this. On the nose, we call it. And this was more like up the nose. Yep. Just like, well, as you said, he's he's basically a villain from- He's uh, a Captain Planet villain for Christ. Like, he's literally yeah. got, he's, he's a disgusting man in an old diving suit. And, and his ship is, like, just enveloped in a green pig pen cloud. Yep. That they have to keep him in stasis, like, in a, in a field. Otherwise, he'll, his his stink cloud will, like... like he just stumbles out of the transport, like... He, he looks like the dad from You Can't Do That on Television. Yep. <laughs> ah, Sebastian. Yep. Sebastian. <laughs> Come on, never-ending story again? Mm. No, that's Bastion. It's a different oh, right, name right. entirely. Are you thinking about Lil Sebastian? Yeah, Lil Sebastian. Bye bye. Yeah. Right. No, I like it it's it's a bit of a broad, like, okay, I get it. He's he's bad, he's doing bad things. Yeah, he's got a he's got a garbage factory that he's throwing fire into. <laughs> he's got a pollution factory. He's like, I got this old pollution factory I'm working on. But I mean I like what? to uh, I like to throw the night guys into it and make sure it works. <laughs> Well, it's like imagine Butter. imagine the uh, the wormhole from DS Nine, mm-hmm. and then imagine some like uh, Quark, let's say mm-hmm. one of the more unsavory characters on DS Nine, just throwing actual hefty bags of trash into it. Like every night, he cleans up the bar and fills up bags of trash and just throws them in the wormhole. Please keep your garbage out of our dimension. Yeah, but that's basically what they're doing. Yep. And and then you know, yeah, there's not nothing here and no one to bother. There's a bunch of people here and le- and they're all bothered. I don't really care about that. Yeah, and okay, it is a little ham-handed, but on the other hand, plot-wise, it works because 
it's very Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Like, in a way that surprised me because putting aside my bitching about Brandon Braga, he did good this week, and mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to rag on him too much because this was a decent episode. But he has repeatedly said he doesn't care for the older stuff. He doesn't really like that Star Trek spirit, you know, that Gene stuff, that yeah. early original series thing. But this was a very original series. Like, oh, the guys we thought were monsters are actually the good guys. The guy we thought was going to help us is actually doing something bad. Yep. And this completely challenges our outlook. And that was a very original series thing, which I liked. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really dug it. I thought those darkness guys were going to be, oh boy, here we go. Here's oh, the yeah, nightmare no, monsters like, or whatever. We know how Voyager works. They're going to be like like mind vampires and like yeah. fly around in their coffin ships or whatever. And really Voyager has very rarely made ugly looking allies. Mm-hmm. Like usually the guys who look a little rough are the guys who were bad. They, yeah, it's they're very, very, it's yeah. very like, it, it's very, oh, this guy looks human. He's a good guy. Yeah. So it was, it was a nice, uh, this guy looks like there. a shivering pile. He's probably not on our side. Uh, granted, the you know the garbage man was not exactly pretty, but uh, oh man, no. But initially, he kind of felt like one of those characters who's just a little shady, but is ultimately probably okay. Well, this is just some working class schmo who like knows his way around this part of space, and he'll help them out. Yes, but, indeed, a working class schmo. Well, he was though. He's, he's totally just like a, a waste disposal. Although I wondered if he was mobbed up. Oh, maybe that could make sense. Yeah, because when you when you say you're in waste management, waste, waste management, disposal. That- yeah. Wasn't that Tony Soprano's whole thing? Yep. This is the Tony Soprano of outer space. Not no more, he ain't. Well, no. <laughs> oh, man. That was my bad thing. Yeah. And I actually really... I, I enjoyed this a lot, but I thought... I started thinking about it. Well, um, I mean, my quote. <laughs> yeah. So, Voyager's plan at the end of the episode is basically to strand this crew of garbage men in the void. Like... Mm-hmm. Okay, their boss is an asshole, but, like, it's just a crew of garbage men with a government contract. And we're just going to sp- strand them right in the middle of nowhere with, like, two years to get home. Then again, it doesn't matter because they just blow them up at the end. Yep. No, it's, um, I don't know. Like, I, I initially thought it was kind of a poetic justice thing. It's like, you keep killing these other guys, and we're just going to leave you in their territory by yourself with no way out. Bye. I, I keep thinking about, like, the plan at the end is basically to, uh, like, they're going to deliver the, um, how to solve the problem to the, to this guy's race's government, right? hmm And, you know, they're going to pop out the other end and just be like, okay, so, um, we killed your garbage man guy, um, but here's the thing to fix it. And I just picture them going, wait, you what? Yep, Bye. No, 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 no! Get, 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 get back here! You what? Oh no, it's okay. We here, we solved the problem. Yeah, but you killed like a ship full of our guys. What am I supposed to tell their families? Oh well, tell them they were murderers. I, you know, they were dumping garbage on this alien race. Well, yeah, okay, we didn't know about that, but still. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like on the one hand, you're right, but on the other hand, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and on the third hand, he was really gross and probably deserved to be dead. Yeah. Because that's how Voyager works. He's mm-hmm. ugly, so he's bad. That's, man. Yeah. I, look, I know it doesn't. I know smell doesn't travel in a vacuum, but good God. I mean, like I said, pig pen cloud. Yep. He had a total just like cloud following him around. <laughs> just stink lines. Just all of it. Captain, the paint is starting to peel off Voyager. <laughs> is Voyager even painted? I, we didn't think so. I, I assume so. Got Lister out there in his spacesuit, giving it a fresh coat. Yeah, of course. No, actually, there was a bit 
of Red Dwarf in the idea of them going through a large chunk of space with nothing in it. Mm-hmm. And everyone just having to entertain themselves. And at one point, they're talking about saving energy and they're turning stuff off, but they don't dare turn the holodeck off. Oh, of course not. Ever. And I'm just like, come on, guys. You Really? That's not the first thing to go? In fact, there's a scene where uh, uh, Special Boy is like, well, we could convert one of the cargo bays into a third holodeck. No. Then we'll have stop. more holodecks for holodecking in. Ugh. Just the worst. Although, Unless you go I will on a say- holodeck venture. Anybody? <laughs> I, I will say this was the premiere, and I know this comes back because mm. I've I've seen bits and pieces of other things from later in the season, but um, of the uh, Captain Proton simulation, yes. which is like a 30s Flash Gordon Buck Rogers thing that uh, Tom Paris does, mm-hmm. and it's black and white, super cheesy pulp thing, and yep. I like a couple of times in my notes, it's just like, can the whole episode just be this? No, seriously. We'll, we'll get there. I know we'll get there. Oh, I know there's one that largely focuses on yeah. that. Which I hope it doesn't come alive or whatever, but you know. I listen. If it's anything like the uh, the the Bond episode of DS Nine, I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah, I like already, that episode. But we already did like Da Vinci, and we already did like uh, Beowulf. Like they've done that a bunch of times already. Yeah, but this time it'll be fun. I don't give a shit about Beowulf or Da Vinci, but I love pulpy sci-fi. That's fair. I mean, that's one of my favorite things too. Yeah, I would. I would love that. But we'll see. I don't know. I can't speak to it yet because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But I would love it if the episode was just about them in the holodeck and not Deadly Danger. I mean, that, that would be happened. fine, too. But, you know, you, I, you know how this show works. I thought that's where this was, was going, actually, because we set up the holodeck thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, like, something went wrong and there was a power surge. Like, oh, boy, here we go. And no, apart from turning off the safety protocols and using a ray gun to fight the bad guys. Yep. That was it. And that I actually kind of like that. I do like uh, I like Harry trying to bring Seven into play. Or no, uh, it was uh, Paris. Yeah, and no, she just Seven, she seven just, was just like, "Oh, you're supposed to kill the bad guy. There, the bad guy is dead. I'm leaving." <laughs> but I love uh, Tom's like, "You're gonna be my secretary." Uh, stupid name, stupid name. Yep. Uh, you stand around and look scared as shit, and uh, watch out for this robot. And she just opens it up, rips out the interior, goes, "Okay, I think we're done here." Yep. Can I go? I have literally anything else to do. No, it's it's nice. It's it is. Uh, I'm not just going to stand around and be your secretary. That's stupid. Yeah, which I liked. But also, yeah, she's not going to play because she doesn't want to. I I'm shocked he got her down there in the first place. Honestly, uh, everyone keeps wearing her down. You got to be more human. Why don't you go out and have fun, Al? I mean, seven. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um. No, you I, have a I, Freudian slip that's not Freudian in the least. It's just, <laughs> I could just—it's something I really relate to with her. And uh-huh. We get it in the next episode where she's practicing smiling. Uh huh. Because we, you and I, also talked about this. It's hard oh, yeah. to like smile deliberately smile for a picture. Like I smile when I'm happy all the time. Yeah, like, like naturally, it's not like I don't do it. It feels like it's some when people are trying to take my picture. But like, yeah, but for like forcing yourself to, yeah, it's terrible. But Come anyway, on, buddy, I, you I, know I just, how to smile. No, I don't. It's it's interesting because I don't think she's meant to be sympathetic with all this. I think it's meant to be funny, but I still relate to a lot of like people making her, you know, be more human and yeah. go to parties and do things. Yeah, I don't think she was written to be an icon for uh, the socially awkward, but uh, guess what? Yeah, works very effectively. I, I think it's one of the many reasons I like her so much. Although, speaking of anxiety, I thought perhaps one of our less favorite characters might become more sympathetic for you, and that is not the case. No. 
Um, Neelix ends up having some serious, like, I don't, they, they, he, uh, the doctor gives the actual, like, uh, uh, phobia name for it, and I don't remember what it it's is. But the it's the fear of nothing, I think, right? Right. Like, just yeah. that, that pressing void. Yeah, which is a great thing. And we've seen this done effectively before, where the, the goofy, wacky clown character is the one who's suffering the serious mental breakdown. Sure. But In that I, good I, Neelix episode. <laughs> yeah. No, and actually, I didn't think this was handled badly. Like, no. I, I kind of liked it. Just that, but, like, I can't deal with nothing. Yeah. No, he's got some pretty bad uh, anxiety stuff going on. But, I mean, if you, look, if you thought it was going to make me warm to the character, you were sorely mistaken, my friend. I don't um, give a shit about Neelix. I mean, you know, look, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. We I, got three seasons left. If the rest and... of the series cringing in the corner, that would be great. No, because then he's Cringer. Oh, that's right. And I He'd like Cringer be better than Neelix. I don't like Cringer a whole lot, but... Okay, I guess that's true. Big green cat that's afraid of shit, that's still better than Neelix. Well, and sometimes he gets to be Battle Cat, at least. That's true. And Battle Cat's hardcore. That's a good design. I like that helmet. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's Filmation, so he probably wasn't meant to be green in the first place. Mm. Well, and then you get to see him fight Skeletor, Skeletor's Panther, Panthor. Of course. And if you had the toy of that, it was it was made of, like, I mean, it was cheap fabric, but yep. it, it felt like velvet. They flocked it. Yeah. Which like, they thin. flocked uh, Beast Man to make him Moss Man. Uh-huh. You're listening to the Master of the Universe podcast with Matt now. No, I don't think you are. Next we'll be was, talking about Ram Man. I was just thinking, no, Manny Faces, come on. Next we'll be talking about Manny Faces and Merman. <laughs> still the best, Manny Faces is still the best name. And Mecha Nick, who had a <laughs> mechanical neck, mm, so he could see true. a foot above him. What about Fistor? Fistor? Fisto, mm-hmm. Fisto. Fisto, right. I was just thinking, that can't be right, because Kit Fisto from Star Wars. Yep. But no, also true. A lot of Fistos in, in sci-fi. Yep. Let me talk about my good thing about this episode. Is it Fisto? I'm afraid it isn't. I'm afraid it's Janeway. Fisto and his big old Riker beard. <laughs> yeah, we keep saying we're not going to use Janeway as our good things anymore, and I, I try I try real hard, but god damn it, does she bring it to this one. Mm-hmm. Having her reevaluating her choice from back in the pilot when she's faced with a similar choice is a solid way to measure how far she's come, and like any complex character, she's not completely over it yet. She's still kind of like, oh god. Remember when I didn't kill the caretaker and take us home? That sucked. I should not have done that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that it wasn't just a, yep, I did that and let's move on. Like, no, she's still kind of agonizing over it. Yeah. It was a great choice to not even bring her on screen for the first couple of acts. Like, this was the season premiere. Yeah. We usually, the first episode of a new season is resolving the cliffhanger. And I kind of like this year is a little different. Like, it's something we don't usually see. And it's like, okay, where's the captain? Okay, where's the captain? And then it starts getting weird. Like, people are asking, wait, why is she not here? Why is Chakotay delivering her her orders from, like, going to her quarters and getting her orders and yeah. delivering them himself? Like, this is weird. And you start feeling it. And yeah. it was, like, I really liked it. And we start to wonder what's going on. And then when we do see her, it practically breaks your heart. You're oh, like, man. Oh, Yeah, geez. so, you know, the science captain... With nothing to study or look at, has decided to retreat to her quarters and reflect on her many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I've had days like that. I I think many of us have. And, and but the the thing is, like, when she finally comes out and like when there's finally a reason for her to like, yeah, now there's something. 
it's what she realizes they need her mm. and she can actually do something to help and she's got a great just get away from her you bitch you know well, like, yeah like the second we when she finally comes out the first time we see her she's like waving a fucking phaser rifle around and just like let's rock motherfuckers yeah she's got the the gray undershirt like the the top shirt is kind of unbuttoned like so she, she looks a little like you know um what's the word i want like she's just had a workout or something yeah. like like when you roll up your sleeves, only the Starfleet uniform equivalent of that. Well, the sort of the Rosie the Riveter, we can Star Trek it mode. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, with the phaser rifle, just like, okay, where's the problem? What Let's can I rock, do? rock, fuckers. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And it's like, aw, I've, I've come to really like her. Yeah. Yeah, she's and great. I, I have a lot of problems with this show, but she's not one of them. No. So that was that was great. And we get the the requisite, like it's a bit cliched in star trek at this point where the captain's like i'm going down with the ship you guys are leaving and they all disobey orders to the point where it's like mutiny but she's like oh it's okay you guys love me so i'm not gonna worry yeah. about that and no. like i say it's a bit cliched but i still like it's it. still it's a great moment like and i love like they sort of set it up earlier that like you know Janeway's willing to like sacrifice herself for you know yeah. the good of the crew, which we knew. But I mean, she's got this plan to basically shut the door behind Voyager and then be abandoned in the void. And everyone's like, "No, that's a stupid plan. Don't do that. We still need you. We can do this without doing that." Yep. And of course, it led to my note when everyone turns against her, including the security officer. I I wrote et tu Vok. Oh God. Come on, that's great. That is great. Tell me how great that was. You, you, you get the, you get a pat on the head, <laughs> and a ruffling of your hair. Don't ruffle my hair. I'm gonna ruffle it. I liked um um near the end where they thought they didn't get out. Oh yeah. For, there's like a full minute where it's like, oh, things suck, and then Tom's like, wait, I, I think I see a star. And it, it was a little corny, but it actually worked. Well, and the other thing is, you don't see, like, there's no stars in this episode. Right. Like, right until the end. And you would think that, like, you wouldn't notice that, but God, looking out, like, any shot of, like, a window or something, and just that endless black in it, it's really, like, it really is, I don't want to say distracting, but it's so obvious. No, whenever they change something that is, like, I mean... Again, this is the fourth Star Trek series. We expect certain things to look the same always. Mm. It's like occasionally you have an episode where stuff is broken and you don't have the constant ambient noise of the warp engines yeah, and yeah. you notice it because it's always there and suddenly it's not there. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing. It's like there's always stars out the window. Why is there nothing out the window this now? It's weird. Yeah. No, and, and I was reading in Memory Alpha, the effects guys had a really hard time with this because... Mm they have to light the ship. Yeah. And they usually cheat it a little. They're like, okay, star, like unless you're next to a star or something giving light, there's really no light, but we usually kind of cheat that a little bit, but you can't do that here because the audience will notice what, what's given, you know, the, the, in this situation, the audience will say, where is that light coming from? Yeah. In other situations, it's like, nah, whatever. So they had to light it only with the lights that come from the ship. Yeah. Which gave it a very different look, and they said they, they played around with it a lot until they got it right, and I thought it looked pretty good. I agree. That was another thing I really liked about the about uh, this episode, is just the look of the ship, like, lit by itself, and yep. it just... They they agonized over that, because, yeah, it had to look very different to us, well, and I think they, they pulled it, it off. because, yeah. you know, good work, guys. Yeah. I will say, uh, in terms of production stuff, though, there was some wavy point-of-view uh, camera stuff I didn't love, like... Mm. 
early on where they were trying to get across to us that people are unsettled. They're just kind of, oh, here's handheld camera. Yeah. And just like, okay, if if the actors are good enough, we don't need the camera's help. Yeah, we don't. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I if, I mean, I hate to say this, but if if Ethan Phillips can convince me that he's experiencing anxiety, we don't he's need a frightened more. frightened man. Yeah, to do that. That's fine. Um, what else? There's... There's a bit where Chuck and Tuvok have a scene together and I oh, kind of yeah. like it might actually it feels like it might bring them together because mm-hmm. he's Chuck's Chuck's actually not bad in this one. No, no. As uh, he's full on first officer and he's got to fill in because the captain's not there. And a lot like Riker in early next gen where it's like the captain doesn't want to deal with this shit. So it's your job. Yeah. And he's got a moment with Tuvok where he's like, dude, you know, her better than anybody have you ever seen her like this? What do what do we do? This is not good. And it was a nice little moment between yeah. them. Like again, I try to give credit about the things we usually bitch about when I see good things, and that that was not bad. Yeah. No, I also um, really enjoy uh, Chuck just flat out admitting, "Yeah, we don't like each other." I'm like, "Yeah, you you don't." Yeah, that's a no, theory I'm- we had. Thanks for thanks for proving that. Although Tuvok's got some good moments in this where he's, I don't know if he's lightening up or if he's just trying to deal with it or if not being able to meditate right makes him more humanish. Mm. But like, there's there he's he's making puns. I Tuvok is bored. I that's obvious. Yes, like but like like I said earlier, he let he let Harry just play the clarinet on the bridge because bridge duty at this point is literally just sitting like one person is there sitting and making sure it's still dark and there's nothing attacking and that's Mm. it. There's no point in fully staffing the bridge because there's nothing to do. Harry, we're putting you on monitor duty. Oh, man. Can I play the clarinet? Okay. Yes, you can play the clarinet. Special boy, special, special boy. boy. He's a very special boy. <laughs> but um, no, Tuvok, and, and a couple of times he makes some bad puns. He says, like, uh, he, he looks out the window at nothing and he says, this is a less than stellar view. <laughs> really? Let st- no stars, so less than stellar. huh? At one point, he's like... Hey, Getting out of here would really shed some light on our situation. Like, mm. come, on, come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah, no. <laughs> Tuvok is bored, and... Yeah, I, but I kind of like that. I imagine, like, Vulcans are very good at word at word puns. Just because oh, sure. they're very intelligent, and they have a very wide vocabulary. They just can't use them because they're Vulcans. But at this point, he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> what, <laughs> what else do I have to do? Dead? Let's see. Less than stellar. Do you get it? Let's see how far gone these guys are. If I slip a pun just in normal conversation in a deadpan, let's see if they pick up on it. The problem is he's doing it to Seven, who's not going to care anyway, so. Yeah. Oh, no, I got it. It wasn't funny, but I got it. <laughs> now, there was, there, was, there was some good stuff. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I really like this one. There's a shot where um, when they first discover the, uh, the, the scary night aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do is... Tuvok basically launches a photon torpedo with a flashlight attached to it. Oh, yeah. And it's a great shot of just nothing, and then um, they fire the, the the flashlight photon torpedo, and it just sort of lights up all these ships. Sort of yeah, just- and suddenly you see there's like a, it's like that, that horrible, like, when you shine a light under your fridge and there's a million cockroaches kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like oh, just, Jesus. It's great. Yep. But, um, uh, no, I, I did enjoy that. And yeah. really, like... Starfleet is not equipped for this kind of thing because, like we said, the the galaxy is just teeming full of life. Yeah, uh, that that reminds me real quick. In actual real world science news, mm-hmm. 
the closest star to Earth, and I may have some of this wrong, and if I do, I apologize, but as I understand it, the closest star to Earth is Proxima Centauri, and we think we have found, like, an Earth-like planet around it now. Oh! Like, you know, who knows? There's probably not life, but... Come on, give me life. But now we're at, like, we've the very closest star. Yeah. Ha- may have something, oh, so that's God. pretty cool. We've talked about this before, but god damn, I want to see aliens before I die. I It doesn't have to be like, um, you know, like sentient actual aliens. sentient aliens, but I'll take a virus, like, just yeah. anything that didn't come from here. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know? Give that'd me something. Cool. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Problem is everything's far away, because space is big and empty. Yeah, weird that. Unlike in Star Trek. And full of probes that are bumping into shit. I guess. And turn it into super evolved probes. Well, we'll we'll get there in a minute where things just turn into other things. Mm -hmm. In fact, do you have anything else for this one? I think we can move on. I think we can move on. Very well. Let us now go to drone. All right. So Voyager sends a shuttle out to investigate a giant bleeding ulcer in the universe so that Seven can poke it with a stick while the doctor takes pictures. Unfortunately, the ulcer is having none of that and bathes everyone in radiation, which unfortunately turns exactly nobody on the crew into Star Trek Hulk. There's an accident during the beam out because Chief O'Brien is still not on this show, despite my many letters, and the Doctor's hollow emitter is fused with some of Seven's nanoprobes. This hideous combination of science and more science results in the building of a giant robot womb and a hideous Borg baby inside, looking all like an anti-abortion ad. Rather than flush the little bastard into space, Kate decides to see what happens, and it quickly ages into a 29th century Borg, which mostly just looks like if the Borg were designed by Joel Schumacher. The dude has a light on his crotch, presumably so that you can find his crotch in the dark. Kate assigns Seven to babysit the new little monster, assuming that if the old Borg teaches the new Borg, and the new Borg teaches the new Borg, then by the time we get to the beginning of Season 6, we should have perfect Borg crew member when we get to season, when the series ends. The new drone names itself One because it's an individual with no imagination. Seven eventually bonds with her new Borg baby and finally admits to somebody that, yes, she'd rather be on Voyager than in the Collective, which is too fuckity bad because then the Collective shows up to take everyone back for some re-education. Luckily, One's individuality is strong and he heads over to the Borg ship to wreck shit up, driving the sphere into the ulcer where it is, ironically, crushed into a cube. (laughs) One returns to the ship, but then kills himself to, so as to protect Voyager from the Borg. Seven mourns the loss of her new friend in a genuinely touching scene, and then the Doctor cracks open one's skull so he can fish out his holographic emitter and get back to singing opera in the holodeck. Well, that is the most important thing. I mean, yes, we have this new we have this new Borg person who's an individual, and but he has his, my hollow emitter as his brain, and I want it back so I can leave. <laughs> I, I like, this is one of, another example of, and I always hold up uh, Bellana Catches Pond Far as one of these, but really, mm-hmm. this is kind of a stupid idea on paper. Oh, it really is. So the transporter mix up, mixes up uh, some nanoprobes and the hollow emitter, because that's from the far future, why not? Yes. And makes a new, different, alive guy? Yep. What? I guess. That's so dumb, but it actually, like, it's a pretty good episode. Mm-hmm. It's like, because what happens, it, like, the hollow emitter starts affecting, infecting this room with Borg shit. And I'm like, oh, so it's turning, it's assimilating Voyager by itself. That could be interesting. Yeah. But then instead it makes a baby. Okay. Well, there's also a, another crew member's DNA is involved in it. Yeah. Well. And by the way, that guy, that guy is basically this new Borg's father and we never see him again. Nope. He gets, a, he gets Borg sickness and is let out of the episode. He's uh, deadbeat dead. Yep. Basically. 
No, I won't even pay any goddamn child support. What the hell? It's it's a dumb premise. It's mm-hmm. really dumb, but it works because it's more about the characters. And I, I felt like, okay, yeah, we've done this before with, with Data's daughter. We've done it before with Odo taking care of the baby changeling. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of Hugh the Borg in there. Yep. But but it's different enough, and it, because it's about Seven, who is a completely different, fully realized character at this point. Yep. That it, okay, you can start with the same basic premise, but it goes in a different direction because she's different and she reacts differently. Mm-hmm. And no, that's it's, re- it's really good. Yeah, I was it's surprised. A great, it's a great seven episode. I mean, it's not as good as the lol episode. No, but it's still pretty good. But and I, I like I like that we've gotten seven to the point. We talked about this a little bit before. I like that we've got seven to the point where the Borg is not a thing she wants to go back to. She wants to keep her weird individuality. Yeah, of. which which Janeway was kind of forcing on her for a while. And yeah. actually, actually, this is my good thing. Mm hmm. Much like in the previous episode, this is an excellent way to check in on the character development of one of our main guys. Like last time it was like, okay, Janeway made this decision three, four years ago. Would she have done, would she do that again? Mm-hmm. And this time it's like, okay, Seven, are, you just talked about wanting to go back. Do you actually want to go back? And that's the thing. I've never been entirely sure if she actually wants to be an individual, or if she's just trying to make Kate happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think she even knows what she wants either. So it was a nice way to like drive the point home that, yeah, she does, like now she's into it. I like that a lot for Seven, like, and I think that's really, like, it would be really easy to just have her very quickly be like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm human now. I want to be a human now. Like, I, we don't get to, we never got to see with Spock or Data, especially with Data, um, that sort of trying to figure out what you want to be. Like, his thing was always, I want to be human. I think, I'm pretty sure Soong, because he was an egotistical jackass, just wanted Data to want to be exactly like his creator from day one that was his programming so it's not really his fault because what he wants is what he was told to want yes an impossible thing yeah because soon is a jerk fuck you soon you piece of shit yeah i want to design a son after i we haven't done the soon voice in a while i want to throw away my other sons so this one is the best son You're, you're giving him a bit of jimmy stewart there that's in Bill's house and John's house and Lore's schlong and Lore's house. Lore, oh, my son, Lore. I lived on Galorndon Core. Galorndon Core. I gotta watch out for the crystalline entity. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but Seven, it, like she, I really didn't think she wanted to be human, and and they made that pretty clear early yeah. on. I, I, I think we're at the point where it's like, I don't want to be human, but I don't want to be Borg anymore either. Like, this is, I don't know what I am, but this is, it's working out for me better than anything has before. Well, it felt like she, we kind of checked back in with last season's finale, where it's like, okay, I guess you could go back to the collective. No, I don't think I want to do yeah. that. And so now she definitely doesn't want to do that. Well, and now we're at the point where she's not only, like, n- not wanting to be part of the collective but she's actively telling this new kid that like the collective is bad news like yeah because the thing is if you'd given her this situation you know a couple of weeks into her stay yeah she'd be like good i have an ally now this together will... we can like take <laughs> the over the sons ship. of soon will rule the federation <laughs> right no but now now that there's two of them they can further assimilate people and, yeah. and take over voyager and go back to the collective but uh, she doesn't want to do that anymore and now we've got this like incredibly useful 29th century borg that's another thing that um like and, and it's why one ends up sacrificing himself at the end of the episode is that he's like this super high-tech like 
Like, if the collective gets a hold of him, it's going to be a huge fucking problem. And it's nice because we talk often about how this show has a cool idea and then doesn't really explore what that means. It just kind of works for the episode and then they forget about it again. Sure. So it's nice. No, the Doctor has a thing from the far future, from 500 years like further in the future than mm-hmm. Voyager already is. And it's nice to deal with what does that mean? That means we have tech that the Borg has never seen and really wants. Yeah. Which I like. No, it's really, it's just, it's really good. It's a good yeah. episode. Yeah. I mean, they're, Flunk. It's, it's less good than the previous one. Yeah. Like the previous and one was pretty much all good. This one, mostly good, but like the premise is kind of dumb and there's there's a few not great things. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, um, there are certain things I like about uh, one's design. Um, I like his, like he's got a lot of light up bits, like he's a Tron man, which mm-hmm. I like. Um, he's got a weird scoop eye that I'm less interested in <laughs> that looks fine until he turns his head and then it's like, what the fuck is happening in there? How do you see, sir? Now there's a there's a bit of like a like a Cyberman or something like that yeah. like like he's more he's more aerodynamic and rounded and yeah like, yeah I, I don't I I go I went back and forth on that also I I I would like to believe that by the time we get to a superior Borg from the 29th century um he'd be doing less lumping around and be maybe able to lift his arms above his head. Like, he shouldn't be, like, you know, Batman 89 design, where he can only move one way and he has to turn his entire body to look at something. I mean, you, but you really nailed it in your summary when you said he looked Schumacher, Schumacherian. He looks very Schumachery. Yeah, he And not he just because of his crotch light, although he does have a crotch light. Turn on your crotch light. <laughs> yeah, but this is really your bad thing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, I, I, I like one just fine. Um, his design is not perfect the yeah i feel like there's a like they sort of wasted an opportunity a 29th century borg could be really cool and this one just looks like you know maybe a 25th century borg (laughs) so hanging out with buck rogers yeah hanging out with buck rogers in the 25th and a half century right no that's duck dodgers oh that's right i always confuse those two i can't imagine why Mm. no the um the thing is, I honestly feel like for real, well, not for real, but, you know, like the, an actual 29th century Borg would look like a person. Yeah. Like all that crap would sort of be nanoprobes and internal and it would just look like a human, mm-hmm. but all the mechanical crap would be inside. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Borg have an aesthetic they like to stick to. Like they like the, they like the uh, cyborg man design. And green lights. Oh man, no. Borg love green lights. That's something that's never going away. There's a there's a scene right at the beginning when uh, Deadbeat Dad Crewman stumbles into the office where the uh, 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 one is being created. the Borg abomination is forming. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah basically, and it's just a, like he he opens the door and just gets bathed in green light, and I'm just thinking, why are you going in there? You know nothing on the ship looks like that. Well, and I like at this point, like green light is such a simple visual thing. Mm-hmm. But as viewers, we know what that means immediately. We see oh, yeah. something bathed in green light and we're like, oh, shit, Borg. And that's Borg. to Voyager's credit that one of your bad guys is is signified by something super simple like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I just guy just walks in and starts getting away. Oh, that's weird. Huh. What's going on in here? Mm-hmm. I'm like, call for security, idiot. Yeah. Maybe tell the captain. No, oh, this was probably fine. Someone probably just left the traffic light on. <laughs> The traffic light. This just this just means it's safe to come in while someone is recording their podcast. Yeah. That's totally fine. Fucking idiot. You deserve to have a, a Borg baby. 
Was now I I didn't check. Was the guy who played him the same guy who played one? It felt like it was. <sighs> I didn't check either. That would be a neat idea. That would be really cool. I think it was, but and I, and I might be speaking incorrectly, and I hate slowing the show down mm-hmm. by looking. So I'm just going to say it was, and that's a fact. And even if Memory Alpha says it's not, they're wrong. Yeah, because hey, <laughs> we're right. He kind of looked like fuck kevin from kids in the hall oh yeah kevin he definitely had a kevin mcdonald vibe i think i put that in my notes also yeah (laughs) a little bit yeah (laughs) um let's see oh uh my bad thing yes one is competing with hugh for the stupidest borg name of all time uh no no, wait there was croesus but one is still pretty bad croesus is a pretty rough one I, i i don't like the number thing like He's, we already got seven. Seven of nine is cool because that's just what she was. She was yeah. seven of nine and they just called her seven. That's that's her name. She didn't yeah. want to have a name. But I mean, like, the, the, Neelix is basically talking to the guy and he's like, yeah, everyone needs to have a name, you know, which, by the way, the doctor's still working on his. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Been here for but, four years. Doesn't have a name yet. But he's basically just sort of latches on. I will be one because I'm an individual. It doesn't really work if you're working with someone who also has a number name. Now it just makes it look like you want to be better than her. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, huh? I could do better than that. I'll one. be one. The best yep. number. That's okay. I'm issue zero. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> Look at my holofoil variant. I'm going to call myself Borg point half point now. Yeah. No, it was a little dumb. And also, it could get confusing if, you know, hey, one wants to go in here. One, like, just in terms of basic grammar. Yeah, just, come on, one, you're making this real inconvenient. We're going to call you Rick. Yeah, Rick the Borg. Yeah. So much better. Didn't we at one point name a Borg Towels? (laughs) Yes, we did name a Borg. I don't remember the context for that, but I remember we had a Borg named Towels at one point. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. That was uh, that was Lore's sidekick in his magic castle, or so. it was like I his... thought that was Croesus. <sighs> it might have been. It might have been Hugh's sidekick then. But there was definitely there was definitely a Borg whose actual name was like was like Toes or or something. <laughs> it, it sounded exactly like Towels. Yeah, I, like I'll, that guy I call just... himself Towels. I feel like I should remember more of our running jokes, but I don't. I'm I'm sorry. I haven't thought about Towels the Borg in years. Oh my god. I don't even remember how or why I remember that. I just Oh, that's delightful. Oh, that this guy should be tall or you know, he should be like matching washcloth. Yep. Or bath mat. I'll call you paper towels. No, call him call him bath mat. Matt for short. Oh, we already have a mat. We call him bath. Matt Matt the Borg. Yeah. No, we'll call you bath. We'll call him Matt. We're gonna call you old Matt. Yeah. We'll call Um, him Kyle too. We're I'm Carl. We're all Carl. <laughs> uh, I do like the doctor's constant, just never end. Like, okay, but what about my light beat? Okay, but but can I have it back? But but, but what about what, me? The, what about what about me? I can't leave here now. What about that? What about? Come on, g- give it important. back. And I'm pretty sure he just let one die on the operating table because oh know, yeah, he wants it back. Yes, it'd be a real shame. It's real sad that you're dying and everything, but uh, let me get my uh, let me get my light bee back. Yeah, I know it's called a mobile emitter, but I just can't stop calling it a light bee every yeah. time. Just sorry. I mean, it's the same thing, basically. It is, I, I, in that it doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Um, what else? Uh, we actually saw Bolana. Like not in a not in a sexual like gross like titillating uh, you know, exploitive way, mm-hmm. but uh, strip down and take a sonic shower. Yep, 
which uh, it, it was more played for comedy because the doctor's bugging her like, hey, fix me, fix me, fix me. Yep. And like it was just like I've, we've never seen anyone actually use the sonic shower before. No, I guess it just shoots you with light or something. Well, no, sonic would be sound. Hmm. All right. I don't know how it actually works. I don't know if it's just a thing they made up or if it's actually based on a real scientific principle. But supposedly, I guess it uses vibrations to get you clean or All something right, like that. Fine. I don't know. I will say this. I don't think there should be a view screen in the bathroom. No, there definitely At should all, not be. and there is, and fucking the doctor's just like, how's it going? And then they have a look at them tits while I, uh, <laughs> while I the tell compu- you to fix my uh, thing. Or the computer should at least be smart enough to know, okay, bathrobe has come off, mm-hmm. webcam disabled. Yeah, basically. I'm sure 24th century technology is smart enough to pick that up. Fucking put a cloth over there. Or a yeah. towels. Put towels over there. Or a piece of felt. Here, I'll just... St- <laughs> wow! Mm-hmm. Call back to our second ever podcast. Yep. Uh, oh, I'm I'm just gonna like throw this out there from my notes uh, uh, because I wanted to beat you to the portmanteau. Uh-huh. I, when when they were talking about killing the the developing baby Borg, why didn't they say abortion? Of course, because you know, mostly I just wanted to say that before you did. It's pretty good. Yeah, you actually uh, you quite liked that Borg fetus. I did. It was a real. It was, that's a cool visual. Yeah, it was. That was your um, good thing, right? Yeah, it was, basically. Um, I mean, there's lots to like about this episode, but yeah. just, that's a really cool look. Mm-hmm. Just, and I like, uh, Seven's like, we don't do, we assimilate, we don't make babies. It's yeah. one of the reasons why we're boring. <laughs> no, it's one of the reasons why we're better. Yeah, although babies we have seen, we have seen Borg babies in the past. We have. They'll <laughs> they make their have, dreams they, come true. They sleep in a drawer. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and then Nanny Borg walks in. <laughs> with her striped socks. They're cords. They're cords that wrap around her legs. Right. Is everything all right in here? Yes, Nanny. Yes, Nanny. Yeah. All is well. I want to see that now. I just picture, like, she's like a pair of legs, and then they lower the rest of Nanny down onto <laughs> them. Also good. <laughs> um, I, I do like the gradual evolution of the relationship between Seven and One. Just, like, um... There's a bit where she's trying to convince him to do something, and uh, she says, you will not be harmed. And he just, like, what? What does that mean? And she says, resistance is futile. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, she knows how to speak his language. Yeah. And I kind of like that. And then by the end, they're just talking like normal people. I, by the way, I want to do a call out to uh, one dot, when one dies, Mm -hmm. um, Seven has just a great scene with Jerry Ryan fucking acting her ass off. Yep. Just oh my god! No, a um, lot of a lot of good like face acting. Like in addition to good line reads, a lot of time, a lot of it's in her face because she's just watching what's happening and reacting. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where she's clearly super proud. Oh yeah! And, and then later she's just like, you know, heartbroken. And again, this is a story we've seen a bunch of times. We've seen the the outsider character raise a baby who is like them, and the, who then hyper ages and dies. Mm-hmm. A bunch of times. And, well, I guess Odo's went away, but the rest... No, it, it did die. Yeah. Because it turned him back into a changeling. Yeah, it may... Yeah. Um, Somehow. But we've seen that happen a lot. At least three times I can mm-hmm. think of. And it was nice because she's... She brings enough different to the, to the character and to the reactions and stuff that it's a whole different thing again. I said that before, but really, just her acting really, really brought that home, I thought. Yeah. I j- there, there, there's a callback to earlier in the episode where the Borg is, like, strangling her, and she's like, you know, stop it, you're hurting me. Mm-hmm. And then when he kills himself, she says it again, and it's just 
devastating. Yep. It quite oh. is. Um, so we have a Borg sphere for the first mm. time since uh, First Contact. Yes. And I'm not super clear on why, and I don't really care. Yeah. I guess that's like their shuttles or their probes or, I don't know, some, some other ships are Maybe just they're spheres. faster. I don't know. I, whatever. I, 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 I mean, I feel look. like they, they want to mix it up. I feel like every single episode with a cube just gets boring. So, hey, we have another ship design. Why don't we use that? I just, at this point, like, the the image of the Borg cube is just, like, so, it's just like, if you see a Borg cube, you're in trouble. Well, it's like the green light. Yeah. It's very easy visual shorthand where we immediately know, like, uh-oh, the big bad is mm. here. Whereas when I see a sphere, I'm like, oh, shit, it's another Death Star. <laughs> Which, for some reason, even though it's a giant planet-killing battle station, doesn't worry me. No, this is bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, as you can see here, the, the, new pl- the new Starkiller base compares to the old lame Death Star by being incredibly larger. I, we could fit over 10,000 Death Stars into Starkiller Base. In fact, they have. That makes it cooler. They've built 10,000 Death Stars, and they filled it up like a pinata. Yep. Uh, what else? Uh, anti-abortion. <laughs> There's a good go-the-fuck-to-sleep moment. Yep. Which, actually, I believe there was a moment just like that between Data and Lol. But, uh, it was, again, different enough that it was still cool. Where it's like, yeah, yeah stop asking questions. It's time to regenerate Shut now. up. Yep. Shut um, up. It's time to quietly stand for a couple of hours. I, I will say, I honestly did not know what to expect when the Borg showed up. Like, I thought maybe some inherent thing in his programming would take over, yep. or, like, if he had turned bad, that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. And it was nice, because I wasn't really sure what hap- what was well, going to happen. And there's also a lot of, like, he spends a lot of the episode interested in the Borg and where he came from, and everyone's really worried about telling him. Well, yeah, it's a nice, like, analog to, like, being adopted or that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, tell me more about my real family. I've so, never met them before. And eventually, Janeway and Seven just take him and are like, this is everything we know about the Borg. This is the Battle of Th- Wolf 359. This is, you know, this is what happened to Seven. And mm-hmm. a couple of minutes later, the fucking Borg show up and he heads over to over there. And you're genuinely wondering, is like, is he going to go with them or what? Like, Yeah, because like a machine, they are programmed to do certain things. And mm-hmm. surely, you know, the Starfleet guys might have missed something. And, you know. Yeah. Certain and then, possible. you know, he goes into full-on wrecking shit up mode and just starts knocking dudes over. Yep. It's pretty great. Just like, <laughs> no, and again, I brought my anti-Borg shield. I, again, I like the um, I like the sort of analog to being adopted. Because mm-hmm. maybe your original family was horrible, but you still want to know. Because mm-hmm. that's where you came from, that's where your genes come from, and you yep. just want to know, like, what, what am I? Where did I come from? Well, you came from that guy, but he doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah, please, so please leave me why, alone. Why don't you stay with the people who love you instead? <laughs> so <laughs> perhaps you'd like to meet your birth father. No thanks. He walked yeah. into a big green room and didn't think to mention it to anyone. That guy's an <laughs> idiot. Oh yeah, that guy. He's just gonna get me socks for all of my birthdays. Or towels. Or towels. Hello, I'm towels. <laughs> no, see, his name is Towels, and he gets towels with the word towels like uh, <laughs> embroidered on them. The one thing you know, the one thing I know about towels is he really likes towels. Uh-huh. Oh boy, you got me towels edition Monopoly. Thanks. <laughs> you don't have it, do you? Well, I actually do. Great. And towels collector plates. Ugh. Can't eat on them because they're painted with lead. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, that's but Star Trek. I, I, I got them though. <laughs> that's Star Trek with me with my family. 
I thought you meant towels collectible license plates for some reason. Uh, could be that. It just has collectible towels. license plates? That just has towels written on it, so people know that it's his car. Right, so when he goes on the holodeck with Tom to work on the old car, yep, he can put that on there and it's his. Quickly, towels, to the towels mobile. <laughs> oh man, I slipped on that wet spot. If only there were some way to clean it up. Oh, well. <laughs> I got this. Uh, anything else? Uh, no. You got a quote? I do have a quote. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but... Oh, right. Balana getting to enjoy a second Borg on the ship. How many Borg hitchhikers are we going to pick up on this trip? Oh, yeah, she's very begrudgingly started to not hate Seven. Yeah, and then it's just like, oh, we have another one. Good. Oh, good. How many of these are we going to have by the time we get home? Like, 30? Are they going to outnumber us? Uh, four, I told you. We're getting a new Borg every first episode of the, every new season. Well, until we I get know, it right. I know there are Borg babies coming. Oh, that's like, true. Like Borg children that Seven interacts with. Yeah, I and, thought this might be the first, like, I yeah, thought me this too. might be that. Me too. And it was better, so yay. I don't know, like, Flonk said that they're bad, but he also said this episode was bad. So I don't necessarily agree with Flonk on everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not terrible. We'll yeah. see. Honestly, we've said this before. Star Trek has surprised us with children on a number of occasions. Child mm-hmm. characters should be annoying, and they often are not. That is true. We liked what they did with Alexander. We liked um, Jake and Nog. We liked uh, a lot of the like one-off episodes with like Jeremy Astor and like that guy who wanted the kid who wanted to be like Data. Patches. That, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of good ones. Yeah. So maybe it'll be okay. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I uh, we had we had some rough times there, but honestly, the show has not reached the depths that I expected so far. No, even at its absolute been, worst, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it was yeah, going to be. There, there has been more I've enjoyed than not. I would say. Yeah, and honestly, like For last the season, part. last like season four was about as good as say season four of Next mm-hmm. Gen. Like, where you had about half the episodes were pretty good and half of them not so great kind of I'm, thing. I'm going to say the problem is that when Voyager is bad, it's really bad. Oh, its lows are way lower than Next Gen, for, yeah. for, to be short. Next Gen like, is the superior show. Yeah, it's just like if it, you know, if it's bad, I'm just checked out. Yeah. But when it's good, it's good. Yeah. So, and I'm glad because, again, I was dreading just years of ugh. Ugh. So, yeah, no, I'm glad that we found stuff that we enjoy, then that we genuinely enjoy. Like, I don't feel like Stockholm Syndrome's kicked in. No, I don't either. I I'm still don't like Neelix and Harry and, uh, Neelix and Chuck. And Harry, yeah. Yeah. But other than that. Yeah. yeah. Things have been was, all right. At the beginning of this episode, we had, uh, who was it on the uh, shuttle? It was the Doctor and Bellana and Tom, right? And one more. Oh, and Seven. Right. And that was like, hey, if the episode's about these guys, I will totally yeah. follow them on a mission. This is a pretty solid group. Yeah, that's a team I'd I'd spend an episode with. Yeah. And it ended up being about something else, but I still, you know, kind of yeah. like that. Also, we have uh, uh, Balana and Tom talking about building, uh, uh, collaborating on building a new type of shuttle. Yeah, I think we're going to get to that event uh, in the next couple episodes or so. Yeah, is, what is it? Delta Flyer. The I Delta think. Flyer, yeah. Uh, I know that because the door sound effect we use at the end of the show is like I, I each time we do a new show, I try to find a door sound effect that's unique to that. Yeah. Like, well, these are just the is, doors. These are yeah. just the doors from next gen. But I could use the Delta Flyer door. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, but yeah, it, it, what I was thinking was that's a cool project for the two of them. Yeah. Like 
he knows about like driving vehicles and she knows about how vehicles work and like mm-hmm. building a vehicle together would be a cool thing for them to do together. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Anyway, that's all I had. Yeah. You? Me too. I think all that's right. everything. Well, then uh, next week we will next week we will show you another one. Yep. <laughs> next week there will be two more episodes. Yeah. No, Who knows um, what they'll be about? I uh, don't know. They're called Extreme Risk and In the Flesh. In the Flesh is probably going to be garbage is my early guess, but we'll mm. see. Um. Oh, so, okay, this week someone bought copies of our episode guides, and we always appreciate that. Oh, and yeah. I, every now and then I'm reminded, oh, yeah, we have episode guides. Oh, yeah, maybe I should tell the listeners, particularly since a lot of new people are tuning in sort of late in the game. Mm-hmm. We have written original episode guides, like, with different content than what we had on the show yep. for the entire original series, including all the movies, and Next Gen, mm-hmm. including all their movies. And they are available at postatomichorror.com. Follow the links to our store, and they're yep. there. You can buy the uh, digital versions of them. You can buy physical versions of them. Uh, we stand behind them. They're great. Yeah, all new content, like... Yeah. No repeating stuff. No, because we didn't want to charge money for something you could already get for nothing. So we wrote new jokes. Yes. Um, covers by actual Marvel Comics uh, artist Ramon Villalobos. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Like, we, we couldn't afford him now. No, we could but, not. Uh, but we knew him before. And uh, he, he drew us in some great uh, uh, just this side of copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> this isn't Star Trek, but it's basically Star Trek uh, scenarios. Yeah. So. Good, good stuff. But uh, yeah, we we stand behind those, and if you want them, uh, you like should I get say, them. They're good. Yeah, they are. My, I, as mentioned before, my dad has a copy of them by his toilet. Yeah, and I think that's like every now and then we we mention them, and then we sell them. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe we should tell people we have those from time yeah. to time. So there's that. Uh, to to that end, we also hardly ever mention that we are on Twitter. I wanted to mention that real quick. Oh yeah, we are there on is, Twitter. There is a show uh, Twitter account that we never use. Yeah, it is, it's uh, for. Uh, Basically, Basically, for, for yeah. streaming, for uh, for uh, what do you call it? Uh, mm-hmm. Periscoping. Uh, it's P A H podcast at P A H podcast, yeah. but we don't use it. So, like, a bunch of people follow that, and I think they expect us to use it. And like, I get notifications when people talk to it, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we individually are on Twitter. I am at A A L G A R Algar, yep. and Matt is at Robot Matt. Yep. So, uh, if you want to follow us, we we both you talk can. a lot. So there you uh, go. We also have a Tumblr. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just while we're rolling all this shit out. Yeah. Poststomachhorror.tumblr.com. If yep. we see Star Trek stuff we like, we retumble it. Yeah, it's actually pretty active. Yeah. I would say so. The two yeah. of us often, we, we both contribute to it, and we often both the, see the same thing. Same thing. Often Not, we retumble yeah. the from the PA account. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> and then one of us will see that and delete the other one. Yep. So. And occasionally I'll forget to turn it off, and you'll get, you know, Batman pictures. <laughs> right. The, the other crap you're into. Yeah. So anyway, those are those are various ways you can interact with us or give us money or whatever. Whatever you want to do. There you go. And uh, we will be back next week. Yep. Until then. uh, See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. (laughs) 